All right, message this morning is part of our uh, wisdom series called A Little Bit of Wisdom, and it's called The Honor is All Mine. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. It's supreme. It is at the top of the list. There's really nothing more important in your whole life, the Bible is saying, than becoming a person of wisdom. Therefore, go and get it. If it costs all that you have, get understanding. It's like if you have to spend every dollar that you have, do whatever you've got to do in order to get wisdom into your life. And this whole series has been about giving you some little bits of wisdom, not massive chunks that are, that are hard to digest, but little bits of wisdom that you can apply to your life so that you would be better for it. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how our um, response matters and how our small decisions matter. And then Darcy last week spoke an amazing message on what it means to be a lifelong learner. But this morning, I want us to dive into the really important topic of honor. Now, honor is arguably the first proverb. You might say, how can that be? Because honor really appears for the first time properly in chapter 10. But you'll remember if you hear a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how the first nine chapters are a father speaking to his son. But really, the first nine chapters are kind of like just a big case as to why wisdom's important. It's kind of like an urging to take it seriously and to go after it with all that you have. But in chapter 10, the Proverbs kind of actually really start at that point. I want you to notice the first one, and then we're going to jump to the end of the book of Proverbs, and I want to show you the last one as well. So in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, it starts with the Proverbs of Solomon. So kind of where they really begin to kick off. It says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Now, if you look at a bunch of the different Proverbs throughout the book of Proverbs, there's something that you discover that is a similarity. Something jumps out that all of the fools do. Now, remember the book of Proverbs speaks of the fools, the simple and the wise, but there was something that stands out as common among the fools, and it's this, that the fool despises. The fool has relationships that they despise. And this word despise in the original language means to be in contempt of, to scorn, to disdain, to consider worthless or unworthy of honor. And the topic just keeps coming back as you look at these Proverbs that if there's one relational principle that will change your life, it's the principle of honor. Now, if you go to the very end of the book of Proverbs 31, um, in, in chapter 30, chapter 31, verse 31, it talks about honoring the wife of noble character. It says this, honor her for all her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I think that's so cool. I think we should take a moment to honor every mother in the room as we prepare for parenthood. And I've just been watching Darcy do such an amazing job in her preparation for that. I've been thinking about what it means to be a parent. And I love this verse. It's like, man, the works of her hand should bring praise at the city gate. I want to honor every single mother in this room, every single woman, every single lady that is like a mother-like figure uh, in this world. We want to honor you for all that your hands have done. There's so much that you do that is unseen, so much of it that is a thankless job. And I love this. It says, let her works bring her praise at the city gate. In other words, brag on her in public. Church, could we put our hands together and just honor every lady, every mum in the room? I think you guys are doing an amazing job. If you haven't heard it said lately, um, for what it's worth, I'm proud of you. I think you're doing an amazing job. I think God looks upon you fondly for all the work that you do. And I know that church, we work really hard here to build a culture of honor. Now, obviously, we like to joke around, right? We love to have a bit of banter. We like to have a bit of back and forth. It's kind of like the Kiwi way of showing people that we like them, right? But if we're not careful, we will allow that Kiwi culture to promote itself above kingdom culture. It seems like we're living in a world where this principle of honor is slipping away and honor, 
honoring people now seems to be the exception rather than the norm. It's, quali- it's like this quality is leaving our nation. It seems like this quality is leaving our people's lives. And I think we need to get it back. I think it needs to come. It's, it's like, for whatever reason, people think it's like, I don't know, like bold or, or, or popular to dishonor and disrespect people. But I think in Jesus' name, we need to get honor back into our life to be a people that would honor those around us. 360 degree honor. Honor is not just for those above us, whatever that means. Honor is not just for those that are doing a good job, but honor should be 360, every single person in our world. And so what is honor? Well, simply put, we could say it like this. Honor is to add value, to add worth, or to add weight. To somebody's life. The word literally means kavad in the Hebrew, which means weight, to add weight to something, which makes sense then that to dishonor is the opposite. It's to take lightly, to not add weight. It's like you just take something lightly and you don't give it the value that it deserves. And I want to teach us a little bit this morning about the principle of honor. And I know for some of you, you're like, that's awesome. Let's go. I'm looking forward to that. And yet for others, it makes you feel a little uncomfortable because there are people in your world that you feel don't deserve honor because of the way that they've treated you. But honor doesn't begin with the way that somebody has treated you. Honor begins with God's claim on them. It's not about how we see somebody, but about how God sees somebody. There's a few principles throughout Scripture that I want us to unpack this morning. Uh, The first principle is this, that honor begins with God's claim on them. It's not actually about how we see or view or what we think of a person. It's how God sees that person. God has the ability to see every single person in their absolute complete depravity in their messiness, in their brokenness, in their pain. He can see you in your complete depravity and at the same time, see you in complete dignity. He can see all of the mistakes and the messiness of your life and yet He can still see what you could become. He can see all of the times that you've fallen short, all of the times that you missed the mark, and yet He still sees the potential in you. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that doesn't just see us as we are, but sees us for what we could become. I remember um, a, f- a handful of years ago, we were the youth pastors, and one of our youth leaders, um, he, he was, you know, a high school student or just out of high, I think he was a high school student, senior guy, one of our leaders, and um, he just got caught up in the wrong crowd, right, which is fairly common among young people in high school. It happens. And he went to Elam College, a great school with great influence and teachers that love and minister to their students. He was in a good environment, but... Young people are young people, and they do lead people astray. And I remember having to sit down with this young man and say, hey, I need you to know that right now um, you're on the path that leads to destruction. I know these people mean something to you, but you can't live this life and do this and get drawn this way and be a leader of young people. It actually requires sacrifice. It actually requires you to be set apart, to be above reproach, to set yourself apart for the call of God in your life. And you could have a massive influence on young people's life, but right now, you're caught up in the wrong crowd. And I remember I've had that chat with so many people and quite often it ends up being like, well, you don't know me. They're my friends. Get out of my life. Okay, that's fine. I've got to have that chat. And I can reflect on the way that I have that chat, of course, but the way that this young man responded was brilliant. He said, you know what? You're right. I think there is more in me than I'm allowing God to use right now. That young man is Samuel Vincent, who now leads our Power Zone program. He is a legend. It was a crossroads moment for him. And I could see like his heart was genuine. He loved Jesus. He wanted to do right by God. But as it happens, we get caught up in the wrong crowd. But I could sit there across the table from this young man and say, I can see what you're doing, but that's not who you are. And you know, God looks at us the same way. 
that's why when you come into Elam, what you're not going to get is us to come in and then start pointing out and rehearsing all of your sins. Firstly, we don't know what they are, and that would be weird. But when you come into Elam, what we're going to do is we're going to speak life over you. We're not going to look at you in your depravity, but we're going to look at you in your dignity and declare what God sees over your life. Yeah, there is what you've done, sure, but that's not who you are. And what God sees in you as who you are is far more valuable and carries so much more weight than the things that you've done. Now, do the things that we've done matter? Of course they do. Cut it out. Sort it out. Align your life with God. But that doesn't define who you are as a person. And so when you come into this place, we're going to tell you that you can know God. You can discover your purpose. You can make a difference. You can find freedom. You can do all of these things. That is God's promise to you. We're going to speak life over you. Now, there is an actual doctrine attached to this whole principle, right? It's called the doctrine of glorification. And the whole idea around this is that one day we will all stand before God. And in that moment, every Christian will be made perfect. But God chooses, this is the best part, to see us that way now. That by the blood of His Son, Jesus, He's like, yeah, when, when you die, when you stand before God, because you put your faith in Jesus, you'll be made brand new. We're made brand new in this life, but we will enter into glory in the afterlife. But God in His grace goes, I'm just going to look ahead and see them as that way now. It's like He somehow is able to look at us and see the perfection of His Son, Jesus, in us now before we even get there. I think that's awesome. Romans 8.30 says this, And those He predestined, now don't get worked up by that, It's not like God has chosen some and not chosen others. He's predestined every single person. He's chosen every single one of us. He has picked you. He has called us. He has a plan for every single person. But those who He predestined, which is everyone, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. He already sees you as perfect before you even get there. And if God sees people that way, then so should I. And I want to suggest then so should you, because honoring people begins with seeing people the way that God sees them, not just the way that we see them. Another principle we notice in Scripture is this, that honoring benefits me too. Honoring benefits me too. You know, I really think that honoring is far less about the person on the receiving end and far more about the person on the giving end. I think when we honor someone, it does much more for us than it does for them. The way that you treat your boss and our government leaders, the way you treat your spouse or your family in terms of the way that you honor them will determine how much you can receive from them. It was said of Jesus in Mark chapter 6 that the Son of God with all power couldn't do many miracles there when He returned to His hometown. That's crazy. The Son of God of all power could not. Can you believe that? Like I thought He was all powerful. He is the Son of God of all power and yet there He was in His hometown and He could not do many miracles there. And the Bible says it's because people in His hometown just treated it as average. Oh, that's just Jesus. He's just an ordinary, average, regular guy. He's just the son of the carpenter. He's just one of those ordinary people. And the way that they saw Jesus determined the amount that they were able to receive from Jesus. I think the same thing goes with people in our life. If we just look at people as ordinary, as plain, as regular, and we don't honor them for who they are, for the fact that they were made in the image of God, then we limit what we can receive from them. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3 says, Children, obey. I love that. If you're living under mum and dad's roof eating their toffee pops, you obey. You do what you're told. And I think we can, we can um, be misled on this because we go, Children, obey. That's cool, but actually not all of us are children. So that means you don't have to obey your parents. But God does ask that you honor them. 
And those can be very different things. It says, honor your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So it's like if I add weight to, if I add value, if I create value in my life towards that person and the position that they hold, I don't have to obey. I don't have to agree, but I'm going to add weight to the value that they have in my life. Bible says this is the first commandment with a promise. If we do that, it comes back to us. If we're willing to do that in our life, the Bible says that so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Turns out honoring benefits me too. Okay, so God takes this seriously. And by the way, and I'll be the first one to jump into this group, um, there is no exit clause to say, unless they're a bad parent. Uh, I had a pretty rough upbringing. I moved out of home when I was 16. Um, But the the Bible doesn't say, honor your parents, add weight to, add value to them, unless they were a bad parent, and then you don't have to. The Bible doesn't say that. No, no, you you don't have to obey. You don't have to say that what they did or what they're doing is good, but we are commanded to show honor. You don't have to agree with someone to show honor towards them. Think about it. If you find yourself in a courtroom, which I haven't, maybe you have. We've seen it on the movies. Um, when you're in the courtroom, what do you say to the judge? You say, your honor. Well, you don't know the person. You can't really comment on the character of the judge that sits in the seat, but you're not honoring the character of the person. You're honoring the seat that they sit in. You're honoring the, honoring the authority and the power that they carry, not necessarily the character of the person in it. And when we honor other people, it shifts us to see people the way that God sees them, to value them the way that God does. It builds within us compassion, understanding, and respect. And then the third principle is that respect is earned, but honor is given. Honor is given. In other words, I'm not going to wait for someone to deserve it before I give it. I'm just going to give honor anyway. In fact, if you buy into this principle, ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you that something is coming your way and it's called the honor test. The moment you say, yep, I'm going to buy into this wisdom. I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to choose to just give on it anyway. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get an opportunity to honor someone in your world that you feel doesn't deserve it. Can I challenge you? Just give it anyway. Now, I lived in a pretty abusive home growing up um, with my mom and my siblings. And there were a lot of reasons in my mind that I was given to not show honor, to not respect, to hold on to unforgiveness. And I think honor is kind of like unforgiveness in that the power of it is more for the person giving it than it is for the person receiving it. My mom never apologized for everything that went on. She never owned up to her part in the whole picture. But I decided one day that I couldn't wait around for that, that I just had to completely and utterly forgive my mom 100%. Because if I waited for her to deserve it, I might be waiting forever. But I chose to forgive and that has truly set me free. And honor's just like that. Honoring other people brings value to your life, whether you think they deserve it or not, or whether they even realize that you've honored them. Let's take a look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And the context of this is that Peter is writing the scripture while the leaders and the governmental leaders and, and the king and all that, they are bad people. All right, so that's his context. He's writing this in the context of the leadership around him being terrible. And he starts in verse 13 saying, submit yourselves. That's crazy. Not because they deserve it, but it says here, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people on Twitter or something like that. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. 
Live as God's slave. How do we do that, Peter? What does it mean to live as God's slaves? Here it is. Show people, show proper respect to everyone. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Another version says honor the king. He didn't have a very good king at this point. He didn't have to obey. He didn't even have to agree. But he was like, I am going to add weight and value to the position that this king holds. And this biblical principle was so important. I don't know about you, but I kind of like, in some senses, I feel like an old soul. I long for this sort of stuff to return to our culture. I can remember when, when guys would tip their hat to the ladies, you know, or, or someone would walk into a room and you would stand up. You would shake their hand and you would greet them. If you're on a busy bus and a lady or an elderly person came onto the bus and all the seats were taken, you would stand up and you would offer your seat. Romans 12.10 puts it like this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor everybody. But do it in such a way that their value and their weight is placed above our own. Honor is given. How do we do that? I've got two quick ways for you in, in our final, final moments together as to how we, okay, so, so, so sort of three principles there as to the importance and the value of honoring people, but practically what does that look like? How does it outwork itself in our day-to-day? The first one is this, prioritize them. Prioritize them. Whatever is first is honored. If you go to a restaurant or a cafe uh, for lunch after church today, um, you might find that you walk up and at the same time you get to the front of the line, some elderly lady comes along and you say, you first. Of course we do, right? No question there. We say, you first, you go first. Now, you're so hungry, you feel like you could eat a park bench. You are out the gate hungry. You didn't have breakfast. Like you desperately need food. You know that. But in this moment, you say, no, 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 I insist. Go before me. Now, you know she's going to go so slow. She can take one bean at a time. It's going to take ages. And you're so hungry, but you put her needs before yourself. That's what it means to honor, to take great joy in putting the needs of other people before our own needs. Just make sure that on your way out of the parking lot today, you're not like, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. You get out of here, all right? Sometimes you just got to go. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, now that's not just a financial principle. That's a give God first everything principle. Like in everything we do in life, we should be giving God our first. And by the way, if you're thinking, man, I don't do any of this, you've already done it. You're sitting here this morning in church. You've taken the first day of your week. You've dedicated a portion of it to say, God, before I work this week, before I play, before I do anything, I'm gonna take a portion and dedicate it to you and you've turned up to church. I need you to know that when you do that, it honors God. You actually add weight to the value of gathering as believers. You add weight and value to who God is in your life and that allows you to receive more from Him. And of course, we do that with our finances as well. In everything that we do, we say, God, I want to give you my first. Let's give God the first of everything. That same verse that we just read out in the message version says, honor God with everything that you own. Give Him the first and the best. Honoring others allows you to develop rich and beautiful relationships. Come on, let's be real. Even on days, you might wake up and you've had every intention on putting some time aside to spend in prayer with God, but you just snooze a few too many extra times and you wake up and you don't feel like you've got a whole lot of time to pray. At the very least, open your eyes and say, good morning, Lord. Thank you, God, for this day. This is a day that I believe that you have made. I'm gonna rejoice and I'm gonna be glad in it. You know, I think even small things like that, when we do that, God says, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me first. Thank you for giving me your first and your best. 
before we reach for our phone, before we turn on the AM show with Duncan Garner, who's quite good. <laughs> no, some, some head shakes, some nods, okay, we won't get into that. <laughs> Could we just take a moment, look, I've got to fight the urge as well, to do, just reach for the phone, but at least just take a moment and say, God, would you use me today? Would you show me something today? Would you draw me in today? I want to give you my worship as the first moment of my consciousness on this day. Thank you, God, for giving me an opportunity to live out another day. So we firstly honor by prioritizing people. But then secondly, did you know this? Honor has a language. Honor has a language, and it's this, to praise them. Yeah, we can prioritize people, but actually honor has a language when we choose to praise people. And not just when they're around you, by the way, but also after they've walked away. Like, we can't be the sort of people that see someone at church or in a workplace or whatever, and they walk up and we're like, oh, hey, how are you? So good to see you, man. What an awesome day. And then they walk away and you're like, did you see her? Jesus, Lord Jesus, my God. Her dress is out of the, out the gate. Like, we can't be those sort of people that say one thing to people's face and then sort of mumble things and, and talk ill of people behind the scenes. Because the truth is, church, I know that you know, but I'll remind you, God sees all of that. He actually sees the way. It's not just what we say to people's faces, but actually the words we speak carry the weight of life or death. They actually shift things in people's lives. And so they don't have to be there to hear about it because as you speak that word of dishonor towards someone, it begins to corrupt your own heart. It changes the way that you see them and they were made in the image of God. James 3.9 says this, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. True. We can come into church and sing, what a beautiful name it is. And then moments later, we're using, we're using the same tongue. <laughs> we sing praise to God and then we give curses to people with the same tongue. And it says, um, yeah, James 3, 9, and with it we curse human beings who have been made, here it is, that, that principle of glorification in God's likeness. So God sees value on someone and then we devalue them. And guess what? God takes that personally. Like you would take it personally if anyone said anything bad about your kids. You'd be like, I'll fight you to the death. Like, those are my kids. Just like if I hear anyone say anything about you. Like, I know we're not a perfect church. I know that we're far from perfect people. But if I hear anyone say anything negative about us, I'm like, I'll fight you. Like, <laughs> they are my people. They are my family. I'm protective over you. And God is the same towards us. James 3.10 says, and we're going to say this, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, let's say this together. This should not be. How could the same mouth praise God and then speak ill and dishonor and disrespect the people that God has created? It's important that we realize that honor has a language and that's to praise people. And one of the greatest ways you can show honor to the people around you is to actually speak well of them. This can be a challenge, I think, for all of us. It can be a challenge for me. I'd like to think I get it right most of the time, but every now and then I don't get it right. And that's because there are people on the road that work me up something different. Like there are certain people who have their license, and I, I just don't know how. I just, I just don't know how, how it has come to be. Some people like to call it road rage. I guess I am just consider myself a community corrections officer. I, I, need to, I need to let people know. The other day we were driving home, from church, and uh, <laughs> we were just driving along, uh, I think it's Elliott Street here, and we were just reflecting, man, how good was church? How good is God? Like all that he's doing in people's lives, and as we're chatting and celebrating how good church was, this guy comes out of this side street and just cuts right across us, feel dangerous. I honk the horn, and I'm like, you idiot! I'm like, what is wrong with your stupid brain to make you think that that was a good idea? Darcy's like, settle down. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm just stupid. 
no sooner did I utter those words that I realized, man, I've prayed for that guy. That guy's part of our Papakura community. That guy is part of the community that we pray that he would find his way in here into our family so that he would meet with Jesus. And I'm, I'm sitting there thanking God for all that he's done. And then I use that same mouth to curse the very person that we're desperately trying to reach so that they could have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Man, it should not be. Who knows what that person was going through? Who knows what he was carrying? Who knows what he was distracted by? Who knows what he was rushing towards? Who knows? I don't. And it can be really easy in situations like that to go, man, people give us so many reasons to not honor them. People give us so many reasons and they get what they deserve, but giving honor has nothing to do with what I think of them. And it has everything to do with God's claim on them. And we need to decide to honor people with our mouths. Ephesians 4 uh, verse 29 to 30 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now we need to make a stand. I think each of us need to make a fresh stand and a declaration before God to say, God, I'm not going to use my mouth to dishonor people. I'm not going to say things about people or to people that dishonor them or dishonor your claim on them. Because the result of getting this wrong is that it grieves the Holy Spirit. Every time I choose to use my mouth and dishonor someone, it grieves the Holy Spirit in my life. And I cannot afford to have that happen. You cannot afford to have that happen. We need God and the Holy Spirit in our life more than we've ever needed Him before. But honor prioritizes someone. And remember, honor has a language. It praises people. I love what the verse we shared earlier about how the work of a woman should produce praise at the city gate. Praise is not just something you think, not just something you hold as adoration towards a person, but if you think it, if it's encouraging, if it's praiseworthy, share it. Actually open your mouth and speak life over somebody. LJ, you can join me on keys. That'd be awesome. I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I still think it rings true, that wisdom might be, not in its entirety, but it might be considered the collective insight we have into the application of any piece of knowledge that we might have. Like it's no good knowing something to be good and true and then to not do anything about it. I think wisdom prompts action in our life. And so our challenge this week is to put that to the test. Maybe there's some people here, you need to pick up the phone and you need to call your parents regardless of how they've treated you. Because how they've treated you is valid. I'm not saying you have to obey. I'm not saying you have to agree. But to honor someone is to add weight to the position that they hold as your parent. Maybe you need to thank your boss, regardless of what you think of him or her. That can be hard. To actually take a moment this week to say, hey, I just want to honor you and thank you for the way that you lead this company. Now you might be thinking, I don't necessarily like the way that you lead this company. I'm not saying lie. I'm not saying grease up. I'm not saying that. But you can honor someone because they probably think they're doing a good job. They probably think they're doing things right. And it might not necessarily be that you agree with that, but you don't have to agree with someone. That person is made in the image of God. They carry a role. They carry an authority. And this can be really hard. But remember, honoring someone is more for you than it is for the person receiving it. You could choose to say, I just want to honor you for the way that you lead this company. I think if we take this week to show honor in every place that we can, have a look at how much better it makes your life. And it's not that we have a greedy or selfish motive to honor people. It's not like I'm just gonna say the right thing so that I've got a good relationship with people. But honoring people is a biblical principle. 
it will better your life and it will help you build stronger relationships. If I could leave you with one final piece of wisdom from God's Word, uh, it would be this. Write this down and then we're going to pray. It's the more I value something, the more I value from it. The more I value my job, the more I value from my job. The more I value my church, add weight to add importance, the more I value from my church. The more I value my family and my friendships, the more I value from my family and my friendships. The more I value God, the more I choose to honour Him, to give Him my first and my best, then the more I shall receive and value from God.